Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. This morning, right after the service, we are going to celebrate our seniors. And in the gymnasium, uh, we have a each of our seniors or many of our seniors have a display set up. And uh, just a little bit about them. We have some uh, snacks in the gym that you can come and partake of. And so in between the services, uh, we're going to do that. And uh, you can enjoy just spending time with them there. This morning as I was thinking about, or this week as I was thinking about the this service, and um, I, I told somebody this week, I said, I just, I really just hate the devil. And I said that a couple times, I'm like, I just hate him. And uh, so this morning, I thought that this would be cathartic uh, for all of us. Would you say with me, I hate the devil? Ready? One, two, three. I hate the devil. You know that it is not the person sitting next to you that is the problem. I mean, sometimes we think it is. Like, honestly, sometimes we think that that person sitting next to me, they are the issue. If I could just fix them. It's not your child. They aren't the problem. And I know that oftentimes we think that it is my kid if they would just. Do you know what the problem is? The problem is it's the devil. Because he knows that if you are a child of God, he, do, he cannot get your soul, but he can make your life miserable. And so he sets out to make your life miserable. And so as a child of God, if something happens in your life that you are like just ultimately frustrated at, we ought to just begin to say, I hate the devil. I hate him. If I can, thank you very much. I'm with you, sister. I hate the devil. There are times in my life, and, and this week has been one of those times that I sit back and I'm just like, if, if I could punch him in the face, if there was something that I could hit, I would punch the devil today. Like, I just hate him because I see the horrific things that he does in our lives. I see the things that I think about these students that are standing up here and they are excited to step out into their future. But I know what's standing on the other side of that door. It's the devil. And he is there. He is just waiting. He's like, all right, you've been preparing for 18 years. You've been under your parents' roof. You've been doing everything that you've been told. You've been going to church. You've been in youth group. You've been in children's ministry. And now you're out. And now I can't wait to get my hands on you. And I'm like, I hate the devil. Because each one of these kids that, was, that came up here and stood on this platform, I do never want to hear that Satan has gotten a hold of them. There isn't one of them that I think, man, I hope Satan gets him. I hope Satan gets her. No, I hope Satan stays far away. I hope parents put a hedge around their kids of prayer. I hope that we as a church gather around these kids and protect them and guide them all the days of their life. Friday morning, I was able to stand with a family as, the, as we did a memorial service for a man who faithfully served for 93 years. And we celebrated his life. 
What a joy it was to sit around the table and hear wife and kids tell stories about dad and husband and laugh and enjoy time together thinking about the faithfulness of this man who faithfully served in church, loved Jesus, raised his kids. Yesterday, Saturday night, I stood before a young lady and a young man and I performed a wedding ceremony. And I thought about their future, and I, and I looked at the families that surrounded them. And we prayed over them, and we asked God to help us, as those who are witnesses to that ceremony, to put a hedge around these, the, this couple that Satan might not get into them. Because you know what Satan wants to do? He wants to get in there, and he wants to cause friction between that husband and wife. You know what Satan wants to do, Dad? Satan wants to get into your family, and he wants to cause friction that's going to separate your family. And today, I just want to say it one more time, and we'll get into the message. This has nothing to do with the message this morning. I'm just ticked off at the devil. And isn't this the place we're supposed to be ticked off at the devil? I mean... We can do that at home. This is the cheering party right here. This is where we come in and we get the rah, rah, rah. Let's go out and kick the devil in the face. I hate the devil this morning. I hate him. One of the things that I get to do each year is that I get to go with the seniors of our, of our school. We get to go on a senior trip. And each year I get to go with them and it's fun seeing where they want to go and what they want to do. And I get to go along simply as the guy that gets to have fun with them, enjoy them. At night, we'll get together and we'll share something spiritually. Uh, I just enjoy going with, the, with our kids. So if you ever want to send your kids on a trip, I'll go. I'm willing to go with them. I enjoy it. But we went on, we went on our senior trip, and uh, one of the things that we get to do is we get to go. They chose to go to West Virginia. And if you're from West Virginia this morning, please this, do not take any of this as offense to you. This is just West Virginia. They're great people. It's a great state. We enjoyed it and we had a lot of fun. But in West Virginia, they do things that they don't do in Ohio. In West Virginia, we went, to, uh, we went on a hiking trail. And on this hiking trail, there are no guardrails. So you literally, you come to the edge of a cliff and it is straight down. And I'm standing like 15, 20 feet away from the edge of the cliff. We have some seniors, which I will not point out any of the boys at all uh, that graduated from MCA, that uh, they... They have no fear. And they get right out to the edge of the cliff and they want to dangle their feet off of the edge of this. It's not like three feet down. It's like 300 feet down. And their feet are just dangling. And my stomach is just like, oh, please back up. Would you just stop? They're doing handstands. They're do all, they didn't do handstands. They, they do all these things. They're, they're just sitting there and they are enjoying. And Mrs. Patterson and I are like, oh, kids, you, you know, they get too close. We're like, hey, back up. We're just, the Pattersons go with us on, on this trip. And uh, we're, we're on them, making sure that they're not doing anything that's going to kill themselves. But on the same hand, some of them get a little too close. And I'm just like, oh, please don't. Another part of the trip that we go on is we go whitewater rafting. And we've been on this trip several times, and I've been whitewater rafting. This is my fifth time or fourth time going whitewater rafting. And, uh, but this is my first time actually going into the front of the boat, if you've been whitewater rafting, you know that it is a dangerous sport. And one of the things that when you go, they give you this thing right here. How many of you know what this is? What is this called? A life jacket. You are incorrect. I was with you. I thought this was a life jacket. 
We got, on the, we got on this bus after this man who I did not know took all of my identification, my cell phone, and my money. And he said, get on that bus. I'm like, I don't know I want to do that. But we got on the bus. He said, put your, put your PFDs on. I'm like, what is a PFD? He said, this is a personal flotation device. He said, many people confuse it with a life jacket. This will not save your life. This will just float your dead body to the top of the river so we can <laughs> pull it out. And I'm thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so he said, the way you put on a PFD, he never said life jacket, PFD. He said, the way you put on a PFD is you make sure that the bottom strap is tight and firm around your belly. He said, then you want to make sure that you work your way up to the top. And so we did this. He said, you want to make sure it's tight. So when you are limp and unconscious, we can pull you out of the river. He kept saying this. <laughs> I don't know if I can preach in this. Well, I'm going to have to loosen this up for a minute. Uh, but he kept saying this, that you're going to, that, and reinforcing the idea that when you are unconscious, we can pull you out of the river. And I am like, I have been on this trip many times. I am practically an expert. I've been four times. And he was sure to assure us and give us instruction what to do with our PFD, our personal flotation device. This is not a life jacket. We got to the river and we got into the boat and I saw the, the, the men who were uh, the, uh, what do you call it? Guides, thank you. The guides of the river, the, the whitewater rafting that we were going to do. And uh, they were over there and they were inflating the rafts. So they were pretty full, but they were pushing on and making sure they were, and they were pumping them up. And I'm thank you, saying, th you know, in my mind, I'm like, thank you for making sure there's plenty of air in these things. We don't need them to go down. We get into the river and our, our uh, guide, his name was Wolf Pup. Uh, our, the other kids, their guide was Wolf Man. And uh, we got to the location and I'm like, how are we going to know which one is Wolf Pup and Wolf, Wolf Man from all of the guides? And I, I promise you, as I was thinking that in my head, I looked over and this little guy could have been Psy from Duck Dynasty, tipped his head up and just began to howl. And I'm like, that's Wolf Man. <laughs> And he was great. He was a great guide. Our guide, Wolf Pup, had been doing it for like 25 years. He was a great guide, and we enjoyed ourselves. And the guide's job, I finally figured this out. The guide's job is to help you to have fun. How do you, help, how do you have fun when you're going down a river with rapids? The fun is not outside of the rapids. The fun is in the middle of the rapids. So this guide's job is to take us into difficulty. And I got thinking about that. Like, shouldn't you be taking us to safety? Like, around the edge of this, these things? Let's not get into danger. Let's, but he's like, no, we've got to go right in here. If we hit it just right, it's going to be awesome. We got to a place where they, and, and he explains things as we go, and there, there's a thing called an, an eddy. An eddy is where water either, it's very still, but it looks still, but it's either flowing upstream or it's, it's a current underneath. And we got into this eddy. And he, it, it floated us back upstream and we were able to do, do some of the rapids again. And we get in and float back upstream and come back down again. And he got into this one. He said, all right, we're going to start surfing. And I'm like, I don't know what that means in a river. How do you surf? 
Well, we get in, we get into this, into this thing, and the water is coming off the top of a rock. It's going down deep because it, it's very deep, and it begins this cycle like a washing machine, where the where it creates a wave that is going back upstream. And so, if you can sit on top of it, just like when you're surfing, if you can sit on top of it, you surf and you stay there. You're not moving in the river. You're not going downstream. You're not going upstream. You are sitting on top of that river, and he's trying to navigate the boat. So you stay right on top of that on top of that crest of that, of that wave, and you begin surfing. And so we're like, yes, we want to surf. In my mind, honestly, you all know, I just turned 50. I'm not really up for a thrill. I'm like, I have made it down the river. I don't really need to do, do, do anything else. So I'm like, we'll try this, and then let's, let's keep going. Like, we had lunch, let's go. So we do it once, and, he, and we miss it. And he, we get off the back of the, off the, back of the top of the of the wave. And just like when somebody's surfing, if they don't hit the wave right, they just don't do anything. And so we went down the river a little bit, got back in that eddy and went back up to the, to the top. When we, when we got, tried it again, I think we tried it three times and we couldn't get on top of that wave to stay there. And so he, we got down and into the waiting line to get back up the river again. And he says, I got an idea. And he comes up to the front of the boat and right in the front of the boat, if you've ever been in whitewater rafting, right in the front of the boat, facing the two people that are sitting there are these two round circles. And he comes up and he pushes those round circles and he lets air out of the boat. So much air that I felt myself go, and I'm like, that can't be good. Like, what do you, why, what is going on? He's like, I think this is going to do it. I'm like, oh boy, you think this is going to do it. So we, we get back up onto the crest up to that point where we're going to surf and we get on the top of that wave and we begin to surf. The boat isn't going anywhere. We're on top of it. And it was like, this is awesome. Then the boat moved a little bit too far forward. We got on the front side of that wave. And what happens when you get in front of the wave? Our boat side to side folded like a taco. And the next thing I knew, I was in the water. I had no idea what was going on. I just felt myself spinning in this thing. And the warning that he had given to us was, if you go in, your life jacket, in my mind, your PFD is to pull your dead carcass out of the river. And I am simply going in circles, and I have no idea how long I was in the water. Long enough that the people in our boat went through the process of, how are we going to tell his wife that he's dead? They said they just kept seeing my yellow helmet going, oop, there is, oop, there is, oop, there is, oop. I thought I was going to die. I came up out of that river. And the only, the next thing I saw was Wolf Pup with his, his oar turned around out towards me. And I grabbed onto that, somehow got over to the side of the boat and Beth Patterson grabbed my lifeless body and pulled me up out of the, out of the river. When I came up out of that river, this account in scripture popped into my head. If you open your Bibles to the book of Luke, 
Luke chapter number 5. The story of Peter came into my head because I remember Peter being out of the boat. And now that I have been out of the boat, the story of Peter being outside the boat became real to me. And as I thought about this, I went to a couple places in Scripture, and we're going to get very quickly through this. But I thought about the fact that there is everything within us that says, I do not want to get outside of the boat. But what happens when you get outside the boat? What happened when Peter stepped out of the boat? He did something that no person has ever done before. But as I thought about this, I thought about this story first. In Luke chapter number 5, Luke chapter number 5, in verse number 1. And it came to pass as as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships. So they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so it was... So it, and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. The first time that Jesus got into Peter's boat was this account right here. Peter's just a fisherman. He has no idea what Jesus is even doing. But all of a sudden, Jesus steps into Peter's boat. Peter did not invite Jesus into his boat. Jesus just decided, I'm getting in your boat. And he says to Peter, as you read down through this account, he tells Peter these little things. Hey, I mean, just imagine you're at Meyer's parking lot. You've got a pickup truck and some guy gets in your back of your pickup truck and goes, hey, can you pull your truck to the end of the lot? I got something to say to somebody. Like this was, this was Peter's business. And Jesus steps into Peter's life, and Peter has no idea what's going to happen. Jesus steps into Peter's boat, and he goes, hey, could you push it out a little bit from, la from the land? So Peter rows out a little bit. Jesus teaches. Peter's sitting there going, when is this guy going to be done? Jesus gets done. He goes, hey, I want you to shove it out a little bit further. Let's go out into the deep. And Peter's like, I don't know what this guy's doing. But Peter rows out to the deep. Then he says, I want you to let your nets down. And Peter lets his nets down. And then he says, a great multitude of fishes. And what was the result of this? Peter was astonished at what Jesus did. And what was the result of that? It says in verse number 11, and they forsook all. You see, that boat that Peter was in was Peter's PFD. Peter was relying on that boat to give him life. 
And Jesus stepped into Peter's boat and said, Peter, I don't want you to rely on that PFD anymore. I want you to rely on me. And it says that Peter forsook all. The first thing that Jesus did for Peter is he gave him a future. He gave him a future. He said, don't rely on that PFD that you have put on. Don't rely on that PFD that somebody has given to you. Don't rely on that PFD. Rely on me. I've got a future for you. You're no longer going to catch fish. You're now going to catch men. He gave him a future. But then go to the story that I alluded to at the beginning, and that is in Matthew chapter number 14. This is where Peter walks on water. Because not only did Jesus give Peter a future, Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to exercise his faith. In in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse number 22, It says, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. This was just after the feeding of the (coughs) 5,000. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And I want you to notice this. The wind was contrary, but the wind kept them within the sphere that Jesus needed them to be. When contrary winds come into your life, Don't think that you need to get outside of that trouble. Those contrary winds are Jesus simply, is God simply putting you in a place where we are going to be ready to turn to him. Peter and the other disciples were now in this place where the winds were blowing, but they were now ready for God to step in and do something in their life. In verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Notice that between fear and faith is the Savior. Look at that passage again. Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Hope and fear. What's right in the middle? Jesus. If you're in a place today where you are fearing something that's coming, whether you're fearing what's going on, whether you're afraid of what's happening, let me tell you that when you put Jesus in the middle of it, everything's going to be okay. It may not be. As we sat with Mary, and she's here this morning, we sat with Mary, and and her husband passed away, and I know that she prayed for healing for him. But today, he is healed. He is more alive today than he was when he was on this earth. His healing came, and Jesus, talking to her, Jesus is in her life. Look at the rest of this passage, verse number 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. When, G- when Peter, and I, and I, after being tossed out of this boat on the river, this story popped into my head because everything within me wanted to stay in that boat. That, that wave that we were riding, it may have been only six or eight feet high, but everything within me, when that boat collapsed, when we got into trouble, all of a sudden, everything within me was trying to stay within the boat. It is not natural 
to jump out of a boat in the midst of trials. When difficulty is happening, it is not time to abandon ship. It's time to see, how could we fix this thing? How can I stay here? I was holding on. They said when I came up, I still had the oar in my hand. I don't know how I did that, but it was still in my hand. I was trying to do everything that I could to stay within that boat. When Peter said to Jesus, he saw these waves, he saw the wind, the Bible says, the wind was blowing and howling, the storm was great. It was contrary to what they wanted to do. When Peter saw Jesus, he says to him, let me come to you. And Jesus simply said, come, come on. This morning, if there's problems in your life and there's difficulties in your life and you are saying, I wish I could get out of this boat, my friend, you can. All you've got to do is get out of the boat and walk to Jesus. Stand up, get up, get both feet out of the boat, and you have to get your hands off of it. I remember teaching my kids how to swim. And you stand in the pool. And they're standing above you, and you say, jump to dad. And what do they do? They always jump, but as they jump, they turn so that they have one hand on the edge because they don't have faith. You know what Jesus wants us to do? Jesus is saying to us, he's saying to you seniors who are, who are here today and you're graduating, stepping in your future, he's saying, come to me. Come to me. This morning, if you are struggling with something, if there is a problem in your life, if there's a difficulty and you don't know how to handle it, the answer is come to Jesus. Get out of the boat. Let go of the sides of it and go to him. Because verse number 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous and was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And he said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? This these two verses, on our bus ride down to the river, the guide that was in the, in the bus giving us instructions about what to do in the boat about our PFDs, he got up as we were almost to the, to the river, and he said to us, he said, just be careful looking out the windows in this area. He said, in this area of West Virginia, eye contact is a flirtatious thing to do. So we all ducked our eyes. We're not looking out the windows now. I'm sure he was just joking, but I was not taking any chances. After spinning, and I knew that I was spinning in, this, in, the, in the river, I did not know how to get out of that, but somehow I did. And when I came up out of the river, the first thing I saw was the face of our guide reaching out to me. And I thought of Peter. Peter in a place where he had no idea how to get out of this. He had the faith to take the step, but when he, got, when he took that step, he didn't know what was on the other side, and he began to falter and fail. And he looked up, he cried for help, and he saw the face of his Savior. My friend today, if it is so dark and so bleak for you, if there are problems going on and you're like, I don't know how to get out of this, let me tell you, look for the face of the Savior. 
He is there to save you and to help you. He will reach out his hand if you simply call for him. And then when they were come into the ship, verse 32, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him. Do you know this step of faith was not necessarily just about Peter? This step of faith was about all of those people in the boat. This morning, I believe that there are people in this room that God is asking you to take a step of faith. It may be your job. It may be a place to volunteer. It may be something to do or give or say or to step out on. But I believe God is calling some of us Christians to step out in faith today, to live for him in a way that makes us feel uncomfortable. But let me tell you, that step of faith is not about you. That step of faith is about the people around you that are going to see you take that step. And as a result, they are going to come and worship at the feet of Jesus Christ. So if today God is asking you to do something that you know feels uncomfortable, do it. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Speak to that person. Do that thing. Volunteer. Give. Go. Make it happen because God is saying, I'm not going to use this just for you. I want this to impact the people around you. This morning we saw that Jesus gave Peter a future. He gave Peter an opportunity to exercise his faith. And he also gave Peter forgiveness. Look at John chapter number 21. John chapter 21. You see, Jesus came to Peter and he said, Peter, I want you to give up that PFD. I want you to give up that thing that you think is going to give you life. And in John chapter 21, we see Peter went back and he picked up his PFD and he put it back on. You see, he was not satisfied with what had happened. Jesus has died. The disciples are scattered. What do I do now? In John chapter 21, verse number one, in these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias on this wise. Jesus had to come to Peter one last time. This morning, can I tell you something? Jesus will constantly pursue you. He is coming after you. He is running after you. He is wanting you to be close to him. And he is going to do everything that he can to draw you to him. Verse number two, and they were together, and there together were Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Gena in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and the two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into the ship, went back to their PFD immediately. And that night they caught nothing. What happens is that, they, that we run back to that thing that we think is our life preserver and we find it fruitless. They went back to that ship and they found it empty. They got nothing from it. But so often that PFD that we think is a life preserver, which is nothing more than that, which is going to hold up our dead carcass. We put all of our faith and all of our trust in that thing. Rather than the one who called us from this thing to a life we could not even imagine. 
in verse 4, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto him, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. Do you remember last time we saw Jesus and Peter in the water? Peter said, Jesus, is, is that you? If it is, would you ask me to come to you? And Jesus simply said, come. But this time, Jesus didn't recognize, Peter didn't recognize that it was Jesus that far away. He had gotten so far from Jesus that he didn't even recognize him. But one of the other disciples said, you know that's Jesus? And what did Peter do? He didn't say, Jesus, do you want me to come to you? Peter said, I know where I have to go. And he threw himself into the sea. This morning, as we look at these three passages, what is the PFD that God has asked you to abandon that you haven't? What is that thing that you call a life jacket, but is nothing more than that which is going to raise your dead body to the surface once it is done with you? What is that thing that you are holding on to that you are saying this is going to give me life, but you know God has called you away from that? Would you leave that life jacket that you call a life jacket? Would you leave that personal flotation device behind this morning? Would you let it go? Would you give it to Jesus so that he can give you a life that you can't even imagine? What is the step of faith that God is calling you to take? What step are you saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this, but this morning you know the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart right now, saying, I have been asking you and begging you to take this step, and this morning you know you have to do that. What have you returned to? You keep finding yourself going back and putting on this life jacket, trying and searching for something that will fulfill you, and you keep putting this on and you keep putting this on. And one of these days, this thing is going to simply be that which holds your dead carcass. This morning, will you come back? Don't wait for Jesus to say, come. God, do you want me to come back to you? Don't wait for him to say, come. Throw yourself into the sea and say, God, I am coming back to you. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the fruitless life that this has brought me. I'm tired of searching for something that I'll never find in that thing that you told me to give up. God, I am giving my life to you. This morning, where are you? We are in one of those places. And God is simply calling to you and he's saying the one word to you that he said to Peter. Come. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. 
If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.